Well, we're so thankful that you joined us here this morning. We are continuing our series, Stay Positive. And this week, week two, we're talking about I am grateful. Last week, we talked about I'm optimistic. And if you missed that message, I encourage you to go check it out. It's on our website, or you can hit up the podcast, and you can listen to it that way. But today, we're talking about I'm grateful. And, and, and I don't want to start off by sounding negative, since we're supposed to be being positive, but it just seems like there's just such a tidal wave of negativity in our culture. It seems like everywhere we go, we just see like it's just been ratcheted up to a new level of being negative. Matter of fact, it almost seems like people have a spiritual gift of being negative because they're just really good at pointing out everything that's wrong, everything that's bad, everything that's going on in life that just seems terrible. It's become like an art form, really, and you just can't get away from it in the social media or you turn on the news. It's just everywhere we go, and so it just seems to be all around us. And honestly, here in Pittsburgh is where I'm from, where I was born and raised here in Pittsburgh, and everyone likes to complain about one thing universally, and that is the weather, right? You can never win with the weather. And I lived in Indiana for 11 years, and it was the same thing there. I'm pretty convinced this is universal no matter where you live. It's either too hot, right? It's summer, and it's like 90 degrees, and the AC won't keep up. And then it's like winter, and it's too cold, and when is the heat, you know, when is the heat coming back? or it's been so dry, we really need some rain, or it's been raining too much, or now it's too humid, or now it's too dry and my skin's drying out, right? We just can't win with the weather. We just love complaining about it here in Pittsburgh. And I just have to wonder if the people in Southern California, do you think they ever just complain and be like, ah, oh, man, another 72 degree day and it's sunny out, man. I just can't take it anymore. Another perfect weather day. I just, I don't know. I have to find some people from Southern California ask me if they complain about the weather. But it just seems like that's just something that we do. And so now I'm going to take a survey, and this is no fun if you don't participate. So I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you think that you are an above average driver. Put your hand up real quick. It's no fun if you don't participate. You're above average driver. Okay, keep your hand up. Okay. Well, that's most of the room. So if most of the room are above average drivers, what does that tell us? I don't, I don't know. It just must be people that other churches that have the below average drivers. But really, that gives us a right to complain about all the other maniacs and idiots out on the road, right? Not using their turn signal, cutting you off, right? The jerk just rolled through the stop sign or they could have let you out and they didn't, right? They don't know how to drive. And so we complain about everyone who drives. And it's just something that is really becomes an art form too, right? You just even get that, that language or you see that person coming out and you're like, oh, you're not cutting me off, right? And you just speed up and hit that gas so they can't get out there. We just, because we're the, we're the good drivers. Or how about this? We go to a restaurant where they serve you food. They prepare your food for you. But then it takes a whole three and a half minutes to get your burger and fries, and then it's on. It's like, I have had to stand here for a whole three and a half minutes waiting for this burger. Completely unacceptable, right? We've all been there. We've all done that. And so we know that it's just something that, you know, complaining can be a pretty easy thing to do. Or how about this? Some of us, some people, drive up to their house in a car. They push a button, a door opens, they drive their car into its own cozy little spot for their car, climate controlled, right? And then they close the garage door and then they get out and they complain about the gas mileage in their car. Or how about this? They get out of the car, they go into the house that is climate controlled with air conditioning and heat, and then they go to the refrigerator and they open the refrigerator that is full of food and what do they say? There is nothing to eat, right? And so then they go and they turn 
turn the television on with 125 channels and say, there's nothing to watch. So then they go to their closet and they see all their clothes and they run their hands over. And what do they say? I've got nothing to wear, right? And it just seems like we don't really appreciate the things we have. Instead of being grateful, we simply want more. And if I could just be honest with you this morning, I'm not always wired to be really grateful. I'm not wired to have gratitude. And I think that's something that's universal and maybe that's maybe just a little bit more for us here in Western culture in America. We just always seem to want more, right? We want the better thing. We want it now. You ever feel like that, that you just, it doesn't seem to satisfy you with the things that you want? Well, I've really become obsessed with developing a heart of gratitude, that we have to choose gratitude, and I'm going to choose gratitude. And, and the sad thing is, is that many people will go through life and never choose to have a heart of gratitude. And the interesting thing about gratitude, and they've done studies on this, is that gratitude actually is the key to several other traits like generosity and being encouraging. And so it's really important. That's why we're talking about being grateful, having gratitude early on in this series because we're going to take a look at some of those other traits. But this one is really important because it's the key to several other positive characteristics. And so we're going to take a look at the story in the Bible, and it's really interesting, and this is about Jesus, so it's a really great story, and it's in the book of Luke. And so we're going to jump in in Luke 17. You can read along on the screen, or if you've got your Bible app or your Bible, you're welcome to turn there. Luke 17, 11 through 13, but it says this. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee, so between two, two nations there. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They were lepers. And I'd just like to take a moment for a disclaimer. When I was growing up young in church, I literally thought they were preaching about leopards, like cats, all the time. Like, I was like, what is this story about Jesus with these big cats? Why are these leopards in Jerusalem? I don't really understand. And it's a true story. I really always thought they were talking about leopards. But they're not talking about leopards. This is not a cat. It's not an operating system for your Mac either. This is just lepers. So they had leprosy. This was a disease that they had. It was actually pretty intense. So um, see, he goes... Where were we at? Where were we at? Ten men who had leprosy, they met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. So if you would read this at face value, it wouldn't really seem like this was a big deal, but you've got to understand something about leprosy. If you've never heard about this, this was a terrible, terrible disease. And these people were not allowed to live with everyone else. They had to actually live in leopard colonies right? Sounds like a leopard again, right? Leper colonies, and they had to go out, and they had to actually, like, make their hair unkept. They had to tear their clothes so that people knew they had leprosy, and they had to actually keep their mouth over their hand, and they'd have to yell, unclean, unclean, so anytime anyone came near them. It was a very terrible situation that they lived in. Matter of fact, um, it would probably been years since any of these people had any human contact whatsoever. They couldn't even hug anybody or, or, or high-five anyone or fist bump. I mean, they just couldn't have any human in contact whatsoever, and the disease was so terrible, it would eat away at their flesh, and they would be oozing. And I know it's pretty graphic and nasty, but they would lose feeling in their limbs, and they would even be in danger at night that a rat could gnaw off a, a pinky toe. I mean, it's pretty disgusting to think about, but this is, this is the condition these guys were living in. So when you hear about these 10 guys, and they see Jesus, and they call out for help, it's kind of a big deal, because their life is not very good. This is not a great place to be. So it continues in verse 14. 
It says, when Jesus saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests, which is what they had to do if they were ever healed of leprosy. As they went, they were cleansed. So a miracle happens. Absolute miracle happens. As they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. And what is that? Why is that a big deal that he was a Samaritan? Well, he wasn't even someone who should have been probably associating with Jesus. But this is the guy that came back. And then in 17, it says, Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? So here we see, even in Jesus' time, so maybe not just unique to our own society and our culture, but I don't think people are always wired to be grateful because there is no doubt that these 10 people's lives were changed radically, that their condition was healed, and now they have a chance at a normal life again, that they can have contact with people, that they cannot have rats not lying off toes, right? That's probably a, a great win, but see, they don't, only one of them came back to say thank you to Jesus. Only one chose gratitude. And that's where I want to be in my life. I want to be like the one guy that came back. I want to show gratitude to God for the things that he has done in my life. So we're going to take a look at three statements that will help you choose gratitude, because I believe it's a choice, and it's something that sometimes we've got to decide to do, but three statements that will help you choose gratitude. The first one is this. I know every good thing I have comes from God. I know every good thing I have comes from God. It says this in James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above. That we can know that everything that we have, every blessing in our life, everything that we have, a home, a job, a wealth, health, all those things that we have in our life, we can know that they are a blessing from God, that he gives us those. Anything that we have that is good, it comes from God. And even if we were like, well, I, I worked for it. You know, I had to earn it. But when we have to recognize that God gave us the ability to be able to work and earn it and understand everything that we have comes from God that is good. And God is a giver of good things. We read about it all the time in the Bible. We read stories about people that we look up to and a lot of the heroes that we learn about, even in Sunday school and children begin to learn about. We know that God gave Noah a plan for the ark and he gave him the ability to build it so that he could save his family. That God gave the Israelites bread when they didn't have any food to eat, when they were in the wilderness and then they didn't know where to go and so he sent them a cloud by day that they could follow and a fire by night that they could follow and know which direction to go in. That God gave David a stone to take down Goliath, that he gave Jonah a giant fish or a whale of some sort to come swallow him up and then spit him up on the seashore, that God gave the Virgin Mary at a young age the faith to obey and trust him, trust her to give birth to Jesus, that God gave the wise men a star to follow, to lead them to Bethlehem to find Jesus, that God gave the world the Prince of Peace, the Lion and the Lamb, the one who has come to save our souls, that God gave that Savior to us, that God gives you a peace that passes all understanding, that he gave us the Holy Spirit to comfort us, to support us, and actually convict us when we're not doing things living according to his word, that God gives us his word to guide us in the way that we should live our life, that God has given health to bless you, friends to love you, and to be around in a life to enjoy, that God is a giver of good things, and that we can know that God is completely good 
Did you know God is completely good? He is constantly good. Matter of fact, he is unchangeably good. God will never not be good. God could never be anything less than good. Everything our God does is good. And so we can be so thankful and we can have a heart full of gratitude knowing that everything that we have in our life, that God has given it to us. And so we can be grateful. We can choose to be like the one Samaritan man who came back to Jesus and recognized, just like Jesus healed his body, that God gives us good things, even if we don't always recognize them or we take them for granted, but we can recognize that and give God thanks. All right, so the first one we said is that every good thing I have comes from God. The second one, and this is a really good one, you got to catch this, I will not let what I want rob me of what I have. I will not let what I want rob me of what I have. So you got to catch this. It says this in Ecclesiastes 6, 9, better what the eye sees than the roving of the appetite. Better what the eye sees than the roving of the appetite. Simply put, it's better to see what we have in front of us and be thankful for the thing that is one in front of us instead of simply always wanting something else. What is an appetite? An appetite drives us. I mean, if you're hungry, you have an appetite. It drives you to go get food, but it's better here, it says in Ecclesiastes, to for what is in front of us than simply always having an appetite for something else that we always want. And this is a wonderful statement that gratitude turns what we have into enough. Gratitude turns, gratitude turns what we have into enough. And it's not happy people who are grateful. It's grateful people who are happy. You got to catch that. It's not simply because someone is happy all the time that it makes them grateful, but it's people who choose gratitude and choose to be grateful who are then happy. I think many of us take for granted the things that we have in life. And yes, there are things that we want to strive to and that we want more. But I think all of us could admit that we probably eat three meals a day right? Or maybe four or five or six. But I would encourage you to stay at three. But we're all, we're all eating, right? We're all taken care of. No, no one's starving. We all have a bed to sleep in at night. We all have clothes to wear. We've got a car to drive or a bus to take us somewhere, some kind of public transportation. We have a job and we can be thankful. And did you know that even if you made minimum wage that you're making about three times more than half of the world's population? So it's just so much that we can be grateful for. Matter of fact, many of us in here have a phone. And that phone does a whole lot more than making phone calls, right? By a press of a button, you can have a car show up, and you can get in that car, and that car will take you where you want to go. It's crazy. Matter of fact, you can press a button on that phone, and you can order food or have it delivered to your house. You can FaceTime with your friends from all over the world, no matter where they're at. It's amazing, and so you have this thing that does so many amazing things, but then the crazy thing about it is that we take this good working thing, and we upgrade it for another great new working thing, right? The thing already worked, but then we, we upgrade the things we already have to something else. And then we can be grateful that we have education and that we can better ourselves and we have schools to invest into us to achieve the things in life that we want to do. See, we have so many things, if we begin to look at it at that level, that we can be grateful for. Matter of fact, if you really want to develop gratitude, this is something I encourage everyone to do at least one time in life, and hopefully more. 
but take a missions trip to a third world nation. Go to a developing nation and see people who don't have a whole lot at all, especially compared to the way we live our lives. And then you begin for a moment to feel bad for those people. But then you meet some people in those nations who love Jesus. And then you see the joy that they have in their hearts and the gratitude they have in their lives. And then I begin to feel a little bit bad for myself because I see that they don't have a whole lot, but they have a lot of time with their family and with their kids. And they have such a joy for living for Jesus and for Christ. And they're so grateful for what God has done in their lives. I remember years ago, we took a trip. We took a missions trip. I led a group of teenagers and actually adults. It was a pretty big group of us that went. Some of them are in this room today that went there with us. We went to Guatemala, and we stayed at this orphanage. And this was a really large orphanage. There were a lot of kids there. But something that just struck me was the joy that these children had. And they didn't have a whole lot. And the great news was that this was a Christian orphanage that led these children into relationships with Jesus. And they just, they didn't have a whole lot, but they were so happy. And they were so grateful that they were there, that we were there with them. And it was just amazing to see that it was, there wasn't a lot of toys, but they were just so happy that we were there to interact with them. And matter of fact, they spoke Spanish and they, they kept just yelling caballo at us. And actually, uh, one of the guys, Mark, some of you know, just, caballo, caballo. We're like, what in the world? It was like, a horse. Why are they calling us horse? Well, they want horsey back rides, right? They wanted to get on your shoulders and ride around, so they're calling us horse. And so they, they wanted to do that, but they were just so grateful and so thankful, and I was just so moved, not even by the children, but by the workers that lived there with these kids in these houses, just the joy and the gratitude they had. And, and just even at the end of the trip, this, this, this the simple crafts and things that we brought and projects to do with them, they were just so incredibly grateful. And I remember at the end of the week that we were there, they actually like put on like a whole production for us, like to show their thanks and gratitude and like sang for us and danced and did this number and like gave a presentation to us. I mean, just, and it wasn't even something that is like, okay, now you have to come dance for the Americans. It just overflowed for their hearts, the gratitude that they have. And so I encourage you, if you ever have the opportunity, it's amazing to see people who don't have a whole lot but they have Jesus and know that he is enough. See, gratitude turns what we have into enough. And it's not simply people who are happy that are grateful, but it's people who are grateful who become happy. It says this in the book of Philippians. It says, for I have learned, and Paul says this, I have learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. I know what is it to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in and every situation, whether fed or hungry, living in plenty or in want. I can do all of this through Christ who gives me strength. What an amazing thing to hear Paul say, to know what it is to be in lack and to have plenty, to be hungry and to have food, but know that no matter in any situation that Jesus is enough as we go through anything in life. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know if anyone in here growing up watched VeggieTales. Anyone? Was anyone a VeggieTales fan? And I grew up watching VeggieTales. And if you don't know what VeggieTales is, it's basically a bunch of fruit and veg vegetables running around on TV talking about Jesus and God's Word and singing some really great catchy songs that 25 years later I still have burned into my memory. I can't get away from them. Matter of fact, VeggieTales is so good that it's pretty much like watching a message at church through vegetables. I mean, and they just do a really good job about preaching about Jesus, about him. And so as I've been preparing this message this week, this VeggieTale song just would not get out of my head. I just kept coming over and over and over again. I just began to sing it in my head. And so I wanted to share it with you today 
the VeggieTales song, the thankfulness song. So if, you, if you're familiar with VeggieTales, you might know this one. And so the lyrics are, I thank God for this day. But really, you got to sing it. I thank God for this day, right? You got, you got to sing VeggieTales. Are you guys going to sing it with me that know it? Or I'm just, I'm just going to read it because I know some of you got it. I thank God for this day, for the sun in the sky, for my mom and my dad. And here it really gets real. For my piece of apple pie. I mean, come on, that's a good thing to be thankful for. For our home on the ground, for his love that's all around. That's why I say thanks every day. Now here's the chorus that just got stuck in my head. Because a thankful heart is a happy heart. I'm glad for what I have. That's an easy way to start for the love that he shares. Because he listens to my prayers. That's why I say thanks every day. Come on, somebody. Yes, the pastor just sang Veggie Tales at church on Sunday morning. We are that kind of church. No shame, no shame, no shame at all. After 15 years of student ministry, I have not, I have no, no dignity left. Like, basically, I'm not afraid to do anything. So, I am just so thankful for that song because just reminding me in such a simple way, especially that lyric that um, says that uh, because a thankful heart is a happy heart, reminding us that gratitude is what makes us happy in life and that what we have so many times in life is enough. That the things that we have, if we begin to focus on those things, that it's not because I will not let what I want rob me of what I have. And that's what happens so many times, at least to me in life, that it seems like all the things that I want in life can rob me of the joy of being grateful of the things that I already have. And yes, I actually just sang Veggie Tales. I'm going to be thinking about regretting that one for a while. All right, so the next one, number three, says this, I'll turn every blessing I have into praise. I'll turn every blessing I have into praise. And maybe you've heard this saying before, that every blessing I don't turn into praise gets turned into pride. And see, it's really easy to think that it's all about us, or that we earned it, or that we made it happen, or that I've got all of this. But it's simply not about that. The Psalmist David says this in Psalm 63, 4 and 5. It says this, I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods, with singing lips, my mouth will praise you. That every blessing that we have, instead of just making it think it's all, all about us or that we've earned it or that we did it, that we simply turn it back to God and give him praise for every blessing that he's had. So I don't know when your vacation spots or where you guys like to take a trip, but somewhere that my family vacation often is the Smoky Mountains. And I don't know if you've ever been down to like Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge. It's, if you've never done it, Central Tennessee, I encourage you to do it. It is beautiful. Smoky Mountains National Park. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. So I never really went there growing up, but my wife, Christy, they actually would vacation there often as children. And so once we got married, we were going to go down. One of the first years we were married, we were going to go down with some of their family and they're like, oh, we got a cabin in the Smoky Mountains, and we're going to stay there. And so I'm thinking, oh, this will be great, like rustic retreat. Like they got a mountain cabin. Like it's going to be up in the woods. Well, I don't know if you've ever been there, but we get there, and the traffic, it's called the parkway because it's a really good word for it because you're pretty much parked on the road. There was a sea of traffic busier than I've seen in any city in the country, bumper to bumper for miles. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, where? And it's, and it's just middle of nowhere, just all this traffic. Once you get off the highway, it's the parkway off the interstate. And so we're sitting in this traffic forever. And then all of a sudden, as we get closer to civilization, I'm like, 
what is happening? There's neon everywhere. There's all these tourist traps. I'm like, all right, we just hit Vegas in the mountains. Like, what just happened? I thought this was like rustic cabin retreat. And so my mind was blown. You know, there's like all of these amazing things to see and do, and we're sitting in the traffic, and I just actually ended up really loving the place because it's really cool. You can actually go out into the park and just go hiking on some trails. You're in the wilderness in a couple minutes, and then just a few minutes the other way back towards civilization. There's like every restaurant imaginable and so many more activities than you could probably do in a lifetime. And so we started going there, and I remember when my oldest daughter, who just turned 10 by this, by the way, this week, and I'm not just, I'm not ready for a child in double digits yet. I'm just not ready for it. And just, it's, it's not okay. Just a lot of things I'm going through, just pray for me. But yeah, I'm just, I'm just not okay. And just pray for the guy that she may like someday, because they're going to need it. I won't be singing Veggie Tales to them. Anyway, um, <laughs> I remember going when Braylon was really young. She's 10 now, but she was really little on this one trip that we went. And I remember getting there, and it was the traffic again. It was like, ah, oh, this traffic is terrible. Like, it's just everyone vacations here. It's just so terrible sitting in And it's already like six lanes wide. I mean, it's a major road, and they're always trying to add more lanes. It's just crazy. So we're in this traffic, and then the cabin that we rented wasn't ready. They still had to clean it from the previous people. It's like, oh, man, we got to wait now, and there's nothing to do, and now we have a little child, and where are we going to go? And then, you know, on top of that, the weather was terrible, and the forecast looked bad all week, and it's like, man, you only get this week for vacation, and now we're not even going to be able to go into the park. It's just going to be terrible. And so we stopped at this little restaurant. It was like a, I believe it was like a Mexican restaurant, but really small, really little place, and it was right on the parkway, so right on that busy road. And so we're sitting there eating, and then all of a sudden, Braylon is gone like just gone and I, I don't know if you've ever been in a moment as a parent like this is like especially like you know with your first child this is like really big because you're always afraid you're going to break them and so instantly you're like not even a year yet. I lost them. They're gone. And so we're freaking out. And, it, you know, it's like one of those things where, like, oh, maybe she's over. And this restaurant's not very big, so there's really nowhere for her to go. So we start now getting, like, panic mode. We can't find our daughter. We start, like, telling the workers, and I'm just, you know, like, breathing heavy. And we're both just, like, you know, you don't even know what to do. And so, like, I'm freaking out because I'm like, did she get out the door somehow? And we're right on this major road and all this traffic, and we can't find her. And what are we going to do? And I, I'm, it was just really tense in that moment. And all of a sudden, Braylon just slips out from the corner of the booth. It was a corner booth, and she just, we don't even, like, she's like a ninja. I don't know how she did it. How, there was no space for her to get back there, and she just comes out smiling. She was hiding from us, right? And in that moment, she's just being cute, and, and we're just like, grab her, and you just hug her, and you're so thankful that she's there. And in that moment, it was like, man, I don't care about how much traffic we have to sit in. It doesn't matter if the cabin even ever gets cleaned and ready. We'll just stay in the car. It can rain all week long. Like, everything was fine in that moment. And here's the crazy thing. Nothing changed in my circumstance. It was just my perspective that changed in that moment that made me so grateful. And I don't know if you've ever been that way before, but if you can do this exercise, and this is really powerful, if you can pretend like you've lost something, so just go here with me, pretend you've lost something. Maybe you've lost your job and you're unemployed. Maybe, maybe you've lost your health. They give you a really bad report. I'm sorry, you've got stage four cancer. It's not looking good. Or maybe someone that's really close to you, a family member, a friend that you just really love, and sorry, they were in a car accident. It was a, it was a freak thing, and they, they died instantly, and you're never going to get to see them again. So just, just go there for a moment and just, just, just pretend like something like that happened, but then pretend like you got it back. Pretend they're like, oh, 
You didn't lose your job. You still have your job. You're like, I didn't like that job very much anyway, but now you still got that job. Or maybe that health report wasn't bad, and you're just like, hey, you're, you're going to live. You've got life. It's going to be fine. Or maybe that person in that accident never was in it, and now you've got them back. And see, this is something that we can actually do that helps us see that the things that we have in life, we take for granted all the time. That it just seems like when you begin to lose those things, that's when you begin to be really, really thankful and have gratitude in your life. That you can be thankful for your car, even if, no, it's not a nice car, and something you wish you could have one that's a lot faster, a lot more luxurious, or had heated seats, or whatever. It's something that you want, but you can be thankful that even if it's an old jalopy, that it gets you where you need to go. That the house is always a wreck. It's always a mess. You can be thankful that you have families, and you have a kids that come and mess up your house. That you're always busy. How are you doing? I'm busy. How's it going? I'm busy. That you can be thankful that you have your health to be busy, and you can be thankful that you have kids, and a job, and all those things to be busy with. That your house is too small, but you can be thankful that you have a roof over your head and that your house has air conditioning and heat, that you can be thankful that you don't like your job, but you can be thankful that you are provided for. It says this, David, once again, in the book of Psalms, says this in Psalms 103. It says, let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercy. He fills my life with good things. See, I can turn every blessing that God has given me back into praise. And so wrapping up the three things that we've got to do in order to help us choose gratitude, the first one was this. I know every good thing I have comes from God. Every good thing I have comes from God. No matter what it is, I can know that God has provided it. The second one was this. I will not let what I want rob me of what I have. I will not let what I want, not the things, remember the roving of our eyes, we will not let what I want rob me of the blessings and the gratitude of the things that are already right in front of us. And the last one was this, I'll turn every blessing I have into praise. I'll turn every single blessing I have into praise. Now something as we're going to wrap up, the band's going to come up for us, and we're going to do one more song together. But as we wrap that up, something that I want to throw out to us as a church is this. I want to throw out for us a gratitude challenge, and this is something that I've done for the last couple of years, and I always invite people to join me on this journey, and so I want to invite you to join me on this journey. As you know, November is coming up, which just seems crazy, and November is the month that we have Thanksgiving and end up eating way too many calories and all that good stuff, but because it's Thanksgiving in November, it's a really great time to focus on the things that we're grateful for or that we're thankful for. And so I want to throw out this challenge to you starting on November 1st, which is coming up this week, is every day in the month of November is to write down something that you are grateful for. Now, a great way you can do this is if you have social media, you can do this this way. You can post something every single day that you're grateful for, that you're thankful for. But if you don't do it on social media, I at least encourage you you to get it in a notebook, to write it down, or get your notes app out on your phone. But every single day, write down something that you are grateful for. And then the other side of that with this challenge in November, especially of us, those of us on social media, and this might be challenging, is to not post anything negative for the entire month of November. 
So I would encourage you to join us in that challenge this week is to every single day. And if you miss a day, that's okay. Just come back and write in a few things. And I would encourage you, like, share that with someone. If you put it online, obviously a lot of people are going to see that. But if you choose to do it in a notebook or in your app on your phone, simply share that with a spouse or a friend every day. Exchange notes. Let them read the things that you're thankful for. Share the things that you're thankful for. Because here's what I know begins to happen. When you begin to do this, it begins to cultivate gratitude and thankfulness in your heart. And it makes you begin to be aware of the things that God has blessed you with. Because sometimes it can seem like we don't have a whole lot, or it seems like we're missing out on a lot of things that we want in life. But when you begin to choose gratitude, you begin to write it down every single day. It'll begin to change the way you think. It'll begin to change your perspective. Just like when my daughter, we couldn't find her, and then we found her again, and the only thing that changed in those circumstances was just my perspective. When we begin to do this in life, it changes our perspective. And we begin to be grateful and thankful for the things that we have in our life.